Well, good morning, GT Church. How is everybody today? Good. Awesome. Hey, welcome to you who are joining us online. We are so excited uh, for what God has in store for you as well. I believe that God can speak to you in every bit of as, as clear fashion through the lens as he can through, to each one of us here in this room today. So I'm excited to be with you. And one of the things that I want to say as we get started today is I think that sometimes as believers, as followers of Christ, most of us in this room have already made a decision for Christ. If you haven't, man, we are glad that you're here. Maybe a friend invited you to join us today. Maybe you just kind of wandered in, or maybe you tuned in accidentally. Man, God's got something for you, and he wants to reveal himself to you today. But one of the things that I think that sometimes we suffer from is too small an image of God. And I want to help you with that today. We're going to look into a brand new series today called What is Real that will kind of lead us up to Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. And um, it's a series that's designed to help each one of us experience a closer encounter with God through Jesus Christ. It's designed to help us identify what is real in this world. You and I all have had the experience of identifying counterfeits in the world. How many know that counterfeits are a real thing in this world, right? Have any of you heard this phrase? Maybe you haven't, but have you ever heard the phrase fake news? right? How many of you have received a fake email in the past telling you that if you would just be helpful, you could help move $19 million from somewhere else in the world into the United States? Has anybody ever received an email like that? You all, so you've all gotten the same opportunity. I have it. It didn't work out for me as I had hoped. Just kidding. But there's a lot of counterfeits in the world, right? There, there are a lot of things in this world that vie for our attention and and supposed to be truthful, and they're not. They're imposters, they're squatters, they're counterfeit in this world. And today, as we start this series, we want to work at identifying what is real, because we know that counterfeits sometimes can be very hard to spot. In fact, I'm going to give you a little test today. I'm going to show you an image on the screen, and you have to identify which one is the real $100 bill. Go ahead and throw the image up, guys. Which one, top or bottom? Which one is real? Bottom. bottom, okay. So, however, let me flip the script a little bit. Um, I'm going to show you another image, and I need you to vote on this. Which one is the real $100 bill? This is the real image for, for sure. Okay, so um, online, in the chat, put in the chat. If you think it's the top, write top. If you think it's the bottom, write the bottom. In the room here today, uh, if you think it's the top, raise your hand. Wave at me if you think it's the top bill. That's the real bill. All right, how about who wants to vote for the bottom bill? All right, it's the bottom one. How did you all know that? What, what was it that gave it away? The little mark at the bottom? Here's the thing. So the greatest way for us, and, and many of you have heard this before, you know this, but one of the best ways to identify, identify the counterfeit is simply to know what the real thing looks like, Right? The best way to know what, what a counterfeit truth is, is simply by knowing what the real truth looks like. Because when you know what real truth looks like, identifying counterfeits becomes pretty easy. And this whole series is designed to help us identify what is real versus what is counterfeit. Because quite honestly, counterfeits 
in this world can be confusing. There's a phrase that we've talked about as we've thought about this series that one of the things that we want to do is make sense of a senseless world. There are times where we look around us at the, the events of life and we can feel like this world lacks sense, right? Like that, that much of our existence, our experience in life is senseless. Now, so we want to make sense of a senseless world. I'm going to show you another couple. There'll be a lot of images today. It's kind of like an art show today. But I, again, I want you to experience God at a different level. And, and these are just reminders for some of us of, of remembering how big God is today. But I want to show you a few images that, that maybe are a bit unsettling. You're going to see them online as well. But they remind us that one of the goals in life is that we, we are tasked with as followers of Jesus to make sense of a senseless world. The first image you'll see is the aftermath of a hurricane. This was Hurricane Dorian. And you see the, the, the wake of the path of a hurricane. And you might ask yourself, the obvious, one of the obvious questions is, well, where was God? And, and many people ask those fair questions. How come? Like, why did God, why didn't God? How come he allowed, you know, these questions, we want to make sense of a senseless world. The next picture, guys, a picture of an, an old school kind of uh, ward, they'd call it, like uh, where they would quarantine those who were sick and diseased and infirmed. Uh, quarantine is not a stranger to us anymore today. A year ago, had you seen this picture, you would have thought, well, that's kind of old school. Like, we don't do that anymore. And yet, here we are, making sense of a senseless world. The next picture, two pictures I'm going to show you, will, will invoke some emotion in you. Because they're, they're emotional. When we think about the evil that mankind has done to other mankind, it's where it becomes even more difficult to make sense of a senseless world. Go ahead, guys, show the first one. Some of you recognize that those are um, Jews who were held in detention camps in Nazi Germany. The next one is a picture of Auschwitz, one of the most infamous of those detention camps. And we look at images like that, and it stirs something in us because God has put something in us. And every human has this. I believe every person, whether they believe in God or not, every person has something in them that tells them what ought to be in this world. We have a bunch of ought nots like that ought not be that way. Every person on this planet that sees that image of Auschwitz can, would likely say to themselves, it shouldn't have ever happened. That shouldn't be. And there are other things that we say, well, this should be. There's, there's something that God has imprinted on the soul of man that causes us to say or believe what should and shouldn't be. What is real? What is counterfeit? I can't make sense of this senseless world. And friends, this is not a new problem. This is the result of the brokenness in this world. The brokenness that was introduced thousands of years ago by the very first couple named Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve chose to do things their way instead of do things God's way. And the result of their decision to disobey God, to live outside of harmony with their creator, was to invite the curse of sin onto the earth. And part of our task, again, is to make sense of this from a biblical perspective. We want to allow the word of God, the truth of God's word, to shape and inform 
how we perceive and interpret the world around us. And when we see things like that, and it stirs us and it unsettles us and it, and it makes us angry at times. And we see human trafficking and we get angry like, God, why won't you step in? And then questions get posed to Christians. Well, if your God is all loving and if he's all powerful, then why doesn't he fill in the blank, right? Are you with me so far? Type amen in the chat if you're with me so far. This is not a new problem. We, we might... It's so easy for us to examine the world from our 21st century lens, but this is not a new struggle. In fact, the Bible, the prophets spoke very transparently about this. I want to read to you a passage before we get to our main source of truth today, the Gospel of John, which we're going to be in the next seven weeks. I want to look at the prophet Habakkuk. If you have a Bible, go ahead and start finding Habakkuk. It's towards the end of the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets. I just want to read to you, the introduction to his letter, to his prophecy. And I think you'll be able to relate to something. This was written 2,400 years ago. Again, when I say the struggle that we have when we examine life around us is not new to us. The struggle of what ought to be when we look at life is something that's part of the human condition The prophet Habakkuk said this. He wrote these words. The prophecy that Habakkuk, the prophet, received. Look at verse 2. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Hundreds of years before Jesus came to this earth, Habakkuk wrote these words. Why do you make me look at injustice? One of the topics we'll look at in this series is injustice. We look around us and we see injustice. And again, there's something in your soul that says it shouldn't be that way. God has put that in you. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. Look at these words. And justice never prevails. Do you think God is big enough to handle your hard questions? Some of you have difficult questions. You have difficult lives. You have circumstances. And you're maybe sometimes sheepishly afraid to ask God or say something. Listen, God allowed the Holy Spirit to lead Habakkuk to immortalize these words in the word of God. So that you and I could identify and relate to the the human struggle of sometimes we have questions and doubts and it is okay, friends, to voice those things to God. He can handle it. We're gonna see in a few moments, he's bigger than you think he is. He goes on, the wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Your eyes, he's speaking right to God. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Look at these words. Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Habakkuk, a prophet of God, was trying to make sense of a senseless world. He was trying to understand his experience through the lens of what he believed to be true about God. That's what you and I are doing right now. Every day of our lives, we are trying to Understand and interpret our experience of life through the lens of what we believe to be true 
about God. That's what God wants us to do and, and to measure our experience. And so we're going to look at a few things that what, what we would call signposts. We've been reading a book by N.T. Wright among our staff called Signposts. And it, he talks about topics like freedom and justice and love and power. He talks about beauty, which we'll talk about today. He's looking at different things that are common to the human experience and says, these things are put there by God in every person's soul and our spirit. And we look at the world, we say, this is not the way it should be. These signposts actually, I believe, point to a greater reality that God is, has stirred in us to look towards something that is bigger, stronger, mightier, more pure, more beautiful, and greater than the experience that we have in this world today. And so we're going to be examining for seven weeks now what is real in this world so that we can dissect the difference between counterfeits and true reality. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn over to John chapter 1. If you're joining us online, uh, grab your Bible, turn to John chapter 1. We're going to look at the first 13 verses in John 1 today. This entire series will be taken from the book of John. We're going to study the book of John, just different excerpts from it. Um, and so we would invite you today, start today and read along with us. Just do a chapter a day and read with us through the gospel of John, the fourth book in the New Testament, just one chapter a day. We're going to be reading it as a staff. We want you to read it as a congregation and experience the words of John as he reveals who Jesus was and is to us today. So this is the, these are the first words of John. And some of the most powerful words in the entire New Testament that reveal the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what John said. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, listen, without him, nothing was made that has been made. Again, I, I, we, we're not going to rush through these words because there's so much in those two sentences there today that I want us to experience. The first point is this, so if you have the app open, if you're taking notes, is this, that real beauty is displayed in God's work. If you want to be able to identify counterfeit beauty from real beauty, you simply look to the creation around you to discover what is truly beautiful. And I'm going to walk you through a couple of images here just to kind of, again, stir in us uh, an appreciation for how amazing, how beautiful, and how massive our God truly is. Again, we're going to start with the first image. In the beginning was the word. Go ahead, guys. Start with the first image. The first image being nothingness, guys. Kill the lights. <laughs> all the lights. There we go. If you dial the clock back in time, now we're not going to argue about when that is, but if you were to dial the clock back to the, the beginning of the universe, John said, in the beginning was the word. There wasn't a universe yet. That the very beginning of time, before space and time and matter and energy began, the word existed. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. This is what Psalm 33 said. By the Word of the Lord, the heavens were made. 
their starry host by the breath of his mouth. You can bring the lights back up a little bit. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. The image I'm going to show you next is the way this, if, listen, this is really funny. If, if I was a Christian, which I am, and I wanted to draw out what it looked like when God spoke the universe into existence, this is probably what I would draw. <coughs> is there anybody in this room that recognizes that image? Do we have any science geeks besides me in here? Nobody does. Okay, cool. So if, if you were a Bible person and you wanted to somehow draw out what it looked like when God spoke the universe into being, when you went from nothing to something, you might draw it this way. In the very beginning, there was this light. Just again, the Bible says that God lives in unapproachable light. Did you know that? God lives in unapproachable light. So if you were to draw this, the way that the Bible describes creation, before time began on the left, there was nothing except God in his light and the word of God. John said, in the beginning was the word. Psalm 33 says, by the breath of his mouth, God spoke the creation into existence. And so you see like the way that the Bible would describe this, like God speaks, literally, imagine this, God spoke. And from his mouth, it almost looks like a megaphone, God speaks and the universe was given birth. Do you see that? I'd love to tell you that that was drawn by a Bible scholar. This is how scientists describe the Big Bang Theory. Hmm, right? You would, I could easily sell you on this, that this is how the Bible describes creation, but this, the Bible had nothing to do with this drawing. This is how scientists depict the, the beginning of time, the Big Bang Theory, space, time, matter, and energy coming into being. And I look at that and say, they drew this to show us that God spoke this. They didn't know it, but God spoke it into being. Look at the next picture. Go ahead. This is, this is one of the billions of features in the universe. Now, again, scientists name this feature. Let me tell you what, it's, what it is first. It's a, it's a collection of gases and Listen, we're going, to be, we're going to be all over the place today, but this is a, a gas cloud. It's got dust and lunar particles and things like that, space particles. The height of this feature, are you ready for this? Say, I'm ready for this. In the chat, type, I'm ready. I see that chat. Thank you. This feature somewhere out in the cosmos is five light years tall. Right, I knew that would go over like a lead balloon because nobody knows what a light year is, Okay. However, if I tell you what a light year is, the height of this, this feature in the universe is 30 trillion miles tall. You know what they call this? Scientists call this the pillars of creation. Isn't that ironic? 30 trillion miles tall. Remember I said to you that some of us suffer from an image of God that's too small? Do you, know that, do you know that in Isaiah 40, verse 12, Isaiah wrote prophetically that God marked off the heavens with the breadth of his hand. Now, again, this is review for some of you, but we need reminders like this because some of us are facing circumstances in our lives that feel really big. And I'm here this morning to tell you that your God is bigger than what you're facing right now. The heavens were marked off with the span of his hand. This is just one part of the heavens, 30 trillion miles tall. 
marked off by the breadth of God's hand. Isn't that incredible? Look at the next picture. This is called, I got to look up what this is. This is the Crab Nebula. This was discovered a thousand years ago. It's the remains of a supernova explosion. Pretty, that's, again, we think of real beauty. You look at what God has put in the heavens for us to admire. You know what Psalm 19 says? Go back in the slides, guys. Psalm 19. When, again, I'm going to show you some pictures of what the heavens contain. The psalmist said, again, so many people think that the Bible and science are at odds. Can I tell you they are not at odds with each other? The psalmist wrote this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. The psalmist said, there is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out to the ends of the earth. The heavens declare the glory of God. Somebody say amen in this place today. Look at what the heavens are declaring to us. You see that, the Crab Nebula. Go to the next one then. The a spiral galaxy. Off, you would never know this, right? It's just off into the universe, off in the cosmos somewhere. But God, in order to display his glory, just created that little feature. That little feature that is 125,000 light years across. Billions of stars in that little feature where God is just showing off. And putting, again, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Where is real beauty? Real beauty is displayed in the work of God's hands. Go to the next one. These are, this is a, um, the, the final stages of another uh, star that's dying. Go to the next one. Two galaxies battling for resources. Uh, this is called um, the antenna galaxies. There are two galaxies there that are fighting for energy and space just out there somewhere for us to find it at some point. The next one, the Tarantula Nebula. Billions of stars just all clustered up together. Again, over light years of space. The next one is pretty wild. This is a cross-section of the cosmos. This was um, taken by the Hubble telescope years ago, probably decades ago. So what you're seeing there are probably millions of galaxies, each of them ginormously massive in size. This is the, the cross-section of the cosmos. Again, that's what they call it. Again, the, the, the majesty, the heavens declare the glory of God. Go to the next slide. This is the last one I'll show you here. Anybody know what that is? If you know it, say it loudly. It's the Milky Way, right? Did you guys know that online in the chat? It's the Milky Way. This, what, is, what is significant about the Milky Way? It's where we live, right? So we got some science people here. This is where we live. Somewhere in that Milky Way galaxy, you and I um, are in right now, right? What's cool about the Milky Way is this. This, our galaxy, again, one of billions of galaxies, again, the heavens declare the glory of God. John said, in the beginning, what's the word? The word, nothing that we're looking at was done apart from Jesus. You know that? John said, back to John in just a second, John said that nothing was made, nothing that was made was made apart from Jesus Christ giving it authorship. Jesus is the source of your home. He has given credit for creation in John 1. He made this. Your picture of Jesus is too small. Jesus made this. You know, our, 
our galaxy, just our little abode in the universe, our little humble home has up to 400 billion stars and 400 billion planets just in the Milky Way galaxy. Our galaxy, among millions of galaxies, is 200,000 light years across from end to end, from the end of the galaxy to the other end. It's, that's it, listen, that's a number of miles with 18 zeros behind it. Where you and I are, are sitting right now on a, in a great chair at home in your PJs, you are part of a galaxy that has the number of miles with 18 zeros behind it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. Do you know what it says next? It says, in him was life. Again, he's talking about, John is revealing Jesus. That's why, that's why you've got to read this, okay? Start today. Read one chapter of John every day with us. And jo- listen, you gotta, I'm not going to get to all of what I wanted to share today. My, my heart is so full and I've got so much I want to share, but... You got to join us Wednesday night. We're going to do another Growing Together segment. I'm going to talk more about this stuff and reveal more of what God put in my heart about this topic just in John 1, 1 through 13. So make sure you join us at 7 o'clock on Wednesday for Growing Together because there's so much that I'm not going to get to today. But listen, verse, the next verse is at verse 4. It says, in him was life. So everything I just showed you is still lacking the quality of life that you and I know today. The ability to be self-aware. Do you know that the universe, everything I showed you, isn't aware that it exists? It just is. But God has put something so unique and special in the human spirit that you and I are gifted by God with the ability to be self-aware and to have self-reflection. How many of you have a dog at home, right? You love your dog. We love our dog. Our dog is so special and we adore her. But I'm not so sure that Chloe is self-aware. Oh, I know. (laughs) But do you think that your pet is aware of its own existence or your pet just kind of does what it's designed to do, right? We can debate that later. But there is something so unique that John said in him was life. The life that you and I experience is found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. In him was life and the light of the world is in Jesus. Let me read one more verse, then we'll go on to that. In Romans 1.20, back it up a little bit, guys. It says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Do you know what Paul said in Romans? He said that because of everything that we have the ability to see in the universe, in our earth, we are without excuse for not knowing that there is a God who is all-powerful, almighty, and all-knowing. That's what Paul said. In fact, I wondered this just this week as I was prepping the sermon. I wonder if the features in the universe were put there by God so that in a day of technology and science, when people are using science as a means of turning people away from God, I wonder if God knew that that would happen 
and knew that we would develop and invent a telescope to detect what's in the universe. And maybe God put those things in the cosmos to help modern, the, the modern generations remember that God is there. Because a thousand years ago, people couldn't see that stuff. But they weren't challenged by modern science and all these other theories and ways of believing and evolution and Darwinianism and naturalism. There weren't as many challenges to faith a thousand years ago. But you and I live in a culture that is constantly challenged by the world around us and by secularism and by humanism and by science. And I wonder if God being all-knowing, knowing what today would look like, maybe he developed the heavens so that when we developed the telescope, we would be reminded about God's creation and that the heavens declare his glory. I just wonder that. Some, like Maybe God did that knowing that we would be here today. Because a lot of scientists today are, are looking at the universe around us. As we talk about in our apologetics class, they're looking at the universe and they're coming to the conclusion that none of this could have existed apart from an external transcendent God. The number of factors that have to be just right so that the universe can support life are mind-boggling. And many modern scientists are, are turning to a God, a creator God who designed the universe because they, when they look at the universe, they say, there's no way this could have happened by accident. Let me tell you about something else that didn't happen by accident. This is what John said. He said in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. Do you know that it is God's will and preference and desire that every single person that you know in this world, God would like them to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? It's the will of God. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Peter said, it is not the will of God for any to die apart from knowing Jesus. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. We talk about real beauty. We know that beauty is displayed in God's creation. Real beauty is defined by the truth of God's word. I want to read this to you. So John, John goes on, he says, he himself was not the light, talking about John the Baptist. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Though the world was made through Jesus, the world did not recognize Jesus when he came. I've got one more image to show you. Many of you probably have seen this. It's been around in contemporary culture for a while. It's a picture drawn by an eight-year-old girl. She was given a vision of Jesus and a gift to draw it. And she drew a picture of Jesus when she was eight years old. Check this out. Her name is, if I say it right, Akien Kramerik. Kramerik. Oh, my word, that sounds like Kramer. That's pretty cool. Just saying, Kramerik. Um, but she, you're looking, again, we don't know what Jesus looks like for sure, but many of us in our minds picture him like this. All the pictures that I showed you before, he did it. 
again, this is just a picture of Jesus, but the Jesus that John is revealing to us. Again, I, I, I implore you to read John with us, do a chapter a day. It is, I've been reading it for about, about three weeks now. It is so rich and so full of truth. The picture that I just showed you of Jesus, it reminds us that Jesus made all things. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came, this is John writing, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or of human decision, but born of God. You want to know what real beauty looks like? You know, again, I've showed you just a a small sampling of the the way that the heavens declare the glory of God. They, They remind us that real beauty has been put on display in the creator's work. The imprint, the fingerprint of God is everywhere around you. That's real beauty, my friends. Real beauty is defined by the creator's word. Again, we'll talk on Wednesday night in the Growing Together segment about what, you know, many of you struggle with real beauty. You struggle with self-image. Can I tell you that the God who made the universe is the only one that has the right to tell you that you're beautiful or not beautiful? If God calls you beautiful, which he does because you are his creation. You are a special creation by God. If God calls something beautiful, man's opinion is irrelevant. Amen, church? Like, man's opinion is irrelevant. If God calls you beautiful and special in his own, it doesn't matter what man says because you are beautiful and special and you belong to God. You are made in his image. You're an image bearer, the Bible says. You are made, and and the greatest invitation, the most beautiful thing of all, real beauty is found in those who are born of God. While the heavens are amazing, while they put on display the glory of God, and while the earth and the sunsets and and the, the pastures and all the things around us Put on display the beauty of God. Nothing is more beautiful than when a person gives their life to Jesus Christ. When a person who is far from God, living in their own brokenness and sinfulness, when that person crosses the line of faith and gives their heart to Jesus Christ, there is nothing more beautiful than the picture of salvation in that person's life. That, my friends, you ask what is real beauty? That is real beauty. When a broken, sinful, self-aware human decides I'm going to believe on and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, John says they become children of God. I want to ask you today, every head bowed, every eye closed, real quick. Even online, bow your head, close your eyes. If you are here today and you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just quickly slip up your hand really quick. Wave at me. I've never made a decision for Jesus. I've never made a decision for Jesus. I want to give my life to Christ. I want that in my life. I want God to change my life. I want him to 
radically transform who I am. Anybody in this room at all? Anybody online? You can look up at me again. Listen, I, I don't know where you're at. Um, if you did online, if listen, I want you to online, if you made a decision today, I want you to click on that link below. You can just text the word follow to that phone number and we want to be able to follow up with you. For the sake of time, I'm not going to pray with you, but listen, your decision to make Jesus your Lord is simply a decision of the heart. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That's it, confess and believe. And John said, you will be given the right to become a child of God, a child of God. The most beautiful thing in the world is when somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ. I do want to pray. Let me pray. Father, today, we thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you for the wonders of creation. Thank you, God, that you have put on display the glory of your creation for us to see and for us to behold and for us to be inspired by. And God, you've shown us what is real. You've shown us what is real beauty. It's in your creation. It's in your word. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. He is real beauty. And God, today I pray that you would inspire us to live a life that is worthy of that calling, that our lives would put on display the beauty of Jesus, and that you would use us to reach others with the gospel of Christ. We love you, Lord. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) Listen, we're not done here today because I asked the team if they would lead us out in this song. Um, You've heard the word. You've seen some of the the things that I've talked about today. And we're going to do that song, What a Beautiful Name It Is Again. We're going to sing together and we're going to leave here on this note of being reminded that the heavens are roaring with the praise of your glory. That's one of the lines we're going to sing. And it's gonna, I wanted to inspire us to be reminded about how big God is in our lives. Then Dan's gonna lead us out and close the, and dismiss the service. Uh, just a quick reminder, don't forget, uh, we've mentioned already, but be part of our, our Lent devotional, our prayer devotional. It's on our church app. It's on our website. We would love to be a, we wanna be a praying church, amen, church? And this season of Lent is a really good time to be reminded that we are called to be a praying people. Every morning, go to our church app, go to the website, look at what the, the little prayer prompt is that we give you. 40 days, we're going to be praying together through the season of Lent up until um, Easter, and then we're going to celebrate the resurrection today because Jesus wants to do something in and through this church. Join us on Wednesday night for the Growing Together segment. And again, join us in reading through the Gospel of John. Start today at John chapter 1 and just do a chapter a day and see what God will reveal to you, how he reveals himself to you through the word. So we're going to stand today and we're, gonna, we're not going to be dismissed yet because I want us to sing this song and to worship the living God. Again, if you're online, don't tune out. This is part of our service. We want to join together and lift our voices, even in your homes, and be reminded about what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Death God bless could you today. not hold you, the veil tore before you. Silence the boast of sin and grave. The heavens.
hands are holy, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. You have no God, that you have created everything. It all flows from you, Lord God, for your glory. God, with the heavens today, God, we choose to declare the glory of God. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship together. Lord God, to be your church. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Church, we love you. We pray that you have a great week, a victorious week. We'll see you back here next Sunday. Please, if you would just be so kind as to wait until an usher dismisses you. Thank you so much, Pastor Scott, for a great start to our What is Real sermon series. With everything going on in our world today, it can be so hard to determine what the truth really is and what to believe. But we know the real source of truth is God and can be found in his word. If you'd like to dive even deeper into Pastor Scott's message from today, I invite you to join us for this week's episode of our Growing Together series. You can watch with us on Facebook and YouTube or listen on our GT Church podcast this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We've got a lot of things happening here at GT Church, and we don't want you to miss out on any of it. You can stay connected with GT Church all week long by following us on social media everywhere at GT Church Online. You can also download our GT Church app. It's a great resource, and you can find everything you need there. 
Again, don't forget to join us for Pastor Scott's Growing Together episode this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Have a great rest of your week, church.